It's a new edition of the Totally Football Show. FA Cup, forest on fire after a manager throws away a match. It's arson. And elsewhere, Sparky's fly and get their P45 as Stokes send their manager to Coventry and then send their manager to Coventry. There's all the third round talking points. Our Cuccino Veritas, why and why now? Plus other foreign stuff like Podolski's kebabs and Bayern watching the Goretzka channel. And the Conte Mourinho spat. Whose side are you on, Conte or the Chelsea manager? And with us today, David Priest. Good morning. Good morning to you, David. Adam Hurry. Hello, James. Oh, that wasn't an instruction, Adam. Just saying. We've you know, done that. We've done that time. one before. We, yes, that's it's fine. Cool, that's fine. Though. And Raphael Honigstein. Hello, James. Hi, Rafa. Hi. James Loveday writes. I'm disappointed when I hear Raphael Honigstein being so rude to James Richardson. Over the last few weeks, he's interrupted him, angrily talked over him, mocked his career trajectory and been generally condescending on several occasions. Uh, James Loveday calls it unacceptable, Rafa. But You're on a warning from James Loveday. <laughs> I know that you like it. <laughs> uh, dear. My safe word is FA Cup. <laughs> Funnily enough. And then it all stops. Yeah. FA Cup. Right. OK, Adam. You had a whole weekend of watching this stuff. And what a struggle that was. On oh. Saturday, Saturday in particular, I mean, I, I settled in for, you know, it was very cold on Saturday. I settled in on my sofa for a nice long day of FA yes. Cup action. Uh. And it was a real slog. It was like watching three bad films in a row. Oh. Well, did Sunday make up for it with the tremendous Nottingham Forest against Arsenal? It certainly did. It was, um, it was a nice crescendo to the, to the FA Cup weekend. But um, it was also a, a culmination of Premier League rotation kind of kicking itself in the teeth really because mm. what you get with this rotation and I think managers expect this is you get teams who are well drilled with their with their first 11s trying then to cobble a team together and then coming up with some really drab performances um, Chelsea at Norwich were this kind of sort of imitation of a football team they didn't create a single chance that I recall and uh, Norwich kind of just ran round them a bit but okay. it, was, it was a non-event of a football game but with the riches that they have, Premier League sides really should be able to field a, a competitive team in, in more than one competition. Can we, though, begin, because Ben Goddard would like us to, can we begin by discussing how good Forest were? Yeah, I with, think... Um, with, their, with their academy players and their hastily cobbled together manager. Yes, exactly. Um, indeed. They focused a lot on how catastrophic Arsenal were at the back, um, Mertesacker running through treacle and that sort of stuff. But Forrest were really good. though. There was a kind of period of about 10 seconds in the second half where Arsenal kept trying to pass the ball out of the back and then Forrest kept intercepting in the, in the middle through sheer, just sheer will. And mm. um, that summed up the whole game for me. Um, Brereton up front who doesn't look 18, doesn't sound 18, and that's not just because of the beard and his, his very mature post-match interview. He, oh. he's, he's a class actor. What, what did he say post-match? He, he just spoke very well. He, he didn't get carried away. He, and um, I, 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 you know, I'm, not, I'm not doing the whole sort of keeping his feet on the floor nonsense. I mean, most young players know how to speak to the media these days. But um, yeah, he was quite well measured when he, when he spoke about it afterwards. And um, they've got um, a guy on loan from Everton, Kieran Dowell, Who's kind of a slight antithesis to, the, to this new English breed of, a, of attacking midfielder? He's, he's not kind of you know five foot five and twisting and turning. He's, he's five foot ten and he's got glides around the pitch, and um, he gave Arsenal's back four a bit of a chasing as well. And um, yeah, uh, Forest fans were kind of uh, the ones I sort of follow on Twitter were kind of sort of sighing wistfully and saying, "Yeah, we know about these players, and it's good that we're finally getting a chance to see them." Absolutely. Plus the not-quite-so-young Eric Lehigh with that extraordinary goal, no? Yeah. Well, but two of them, actually. The first one, to, to borrow a famous phrase, someone better get down there, David, and explain the offside rule to Arsenal. Yeah, that's still on uh, on Twitter of, of, of Per Mertz that are keeping a high line, higher than the wall itself. And it was, OK, he might have been trying to have the idea to give us Spain a little bit more room to work in. But there was a kind of a three-yard channel. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got to have two people in the wall there in front anyway because Forrest had two men in the wall, yeah, on the ball. So they've got to have two men out there. But you just set up like he would do as a, as a corner, really. Is the setup? Is the setup? The impl implication there is that Ospina is supposed to come out for that because there's no kind of blocker on the edge of the six-yard box. So he's supposed to come for that ball. But the delivery was such that he was never going to get there. And what it, what you ended up with is was this kind of ridiculous point-black header. I've never seen anything like it in my life, that, that sort of goal. I mean, there is one thing. It's not like he was stood in there for a long time. He's actually made a little bit yeah, of movement around yeah. the back. And, he, and he's he's come from behind the defenders and behind Mertzsacker as well and come in in time he's run well. So you've got to give him credit for that as Should well. Should someone maybe have tracked him at all? Well, you would have thought so. If they were, but if they're not man-to-man -man marking, then nobody would. 
All right. Well, Gary Brazil, anyway, with a brilliant uh, start taking over just last week from Mark Warburton. He says he's uh, going to be back to taking care of the academy as soon as they get a permanent replacement. Uh, does anybody know who that's likely to be, uh, David? I, th- I think Paul Heckenbottom's uh, favourite the bookies at the moment. Is he? From Barnsley, yeah. All oh, right, OK. Uh, as for Arsenal... Is is this Arsene Wenger's fig leaf gone? Because it's kind of that's kind of been the FA Cup's function over the last couple of seasons, no? Sorry if that's an uncomfortable image. <laughs> it's what I was thinking of anyway. Right. Yeah. It's exactly okay. what I was thinking of. Uh, well, Dave Payne says, do you think Wenger has finally destroyed his own legacy? When he goes, will he finally be will he be remembered for more for his achievements or for not knowing when to call it a day? Uh, he afterwards at least was uh, not blaming the referee and said that the changes was a little bit of a, a, a misleading uh, element to Arsenal's preparation, that the players had to take responsibility. Um, it was quite refreshing to see that he didn't go in on the match officials, which you know, history suggests he probably might have done in other games. But um, you know, he conceded that Forrest were better, quicker, stronger. Um, but yeah, as far as rotation goes, um, yeah, he, obviously he's, he's right to say that players should take responsibility, but um, rotation was inevitable after this kind of festive period, which felt like an unusually busy one. Yeah. And um, and maybe the, the FA Cup deserved to have a little bit more of a breathing space between between itself and, and that kind of festive chaos. Fair, fair point. Also, Arsenal have the Carabao Cup coming up on Wednesday. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, with Chelsea also rotated and also didn't do too well drawing nil-nil with Norwich, as you say, an, an imitation of a football team. Um, the other Carabao Cup semi-final coming up, of course, on Tuesday is Man City uh, taking on Bristol City. Uh, the Robins were beaten 3-0 this weekend in the FA Cup by Watford. We'll talk more FA Cup after this. Listeners, our partnership with Paddy Power helps to keep this podcast free. And speaking of free, when you join Paddy's Rewards Club, every time you place five bets of £10 or more on any sport in a single week, Paddy will give you a free £10 bet the following week. Sign up now at paddypower.com. T's and C's apply. Max £10 bonus per person per week. Specific odds required. Exclude shops and cashed out bets. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. David. We need to talk about Mark Hughes. Contrary beat Stoke 2-1. They did. They were, they were good for it. I mean, Stoke had the uh, a lot of opportunities and ordinarily the, the Proys would have beaten Coventry, but they, they stuck at it. Coventry defended really well mm. and it, obviously it was the end of line for, for Mark Hughes. It's, yeah. And it's, it's it wasn't about getting beat by Coventry. It was about you know all the lead up to, to this game and kind of feel a little bit sorry for Mark Hughes because of his, his defensive problems that he's had and all the injuries. I watched them at Chelsea the other week and they had uh, two 18-year-olds, tw- yes. a 20-year-old Egyptian and, and, and two lads but called it, Kevin and Jeff. Was that entirely down to injuries or was it not that he was saving his players for the Newcastle game which he promptly lost at home? Yeah, but I mean, he's, he's saving players but he's, he's put Charlie Adam in uh, mm. against Chelsea who, that was his first start this season and then he plays him again uh, a couple of days later against Newcastle. Now, you wouldn't have thought that his fitness levels were uh, optimum. Right. But he's... so and, and then he's continued to play him and, I don't know, it, maybe it's just because he, he trusts him to play. But, I mean, he, you look at the, last season, I watched them play. Last season, Shaqiri, Crouch and Arnautovic up front. I mean, they, they, they caused untold problems for people. Well, they had a... They did have a, a great run under Mark Hughes originally. It, I mean, the numbers say so. I'm not sure if I entirely remember what when that was, but they had three consecutive ninth place finishes. I must admit, although I know I'm going to miss that 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 kind of that ashen faced look of a harassed secondary school teacher on a school trip with sixth formers who refused to behave properly, um, I do feel that anyone who quits a perfectly decent job complaining of, of the other party's lack of ambition is you know it's, it's pretty much fair game for any kind of dismissal. And Stoke could ultimately use the same line on him because they're down in 18th. They they don't show any, surely, sign of, of doing anything remotely positive at the moment. He's probably had more of a, a steer than he, he should have, really. I mean, mm. that's off the like you said off the bat there, the last three seasons, they're, they're quite trusting and they're quite um, uh, loyal to the, to the managers. Um, so they, they have given time. But like you said, it's about... Is there any uh, sign of uh, any bright signs for the future? And at the, the minute there isn't. Well, four and a half years is mm. is something of an eternity to be sort of sitting quite 
comfortably in mid-table. You know, something eventually has to give. Arms crossed. Yeah, yeah, arms yeah. permanently crossed. But yeah. I, I still think if there were a few few places higher in the league, there'd still be a bit of discontent there because it's it's kind of that sort of you know the the, the Arsenal and or Alan Kirbishley syndrome where people just the teams plateau and mm. and then the, the the fans want more. They're they're not just happy with just leveling out. Uh, Arsenal, another of those middling clubs that have just plateaued. And... <laughs> No, no, I'm not being rude. I'm just asking. No, but I mean, that's the fans. The fans don't want the, the, the want some success. They don't want to just be at the same level all the time. Or Absolutely. Even though they drop below that. Well, I like this from you, Adam, this morning. The bookmakers installed Ryan Giggs as the favourite to take over. Is that true? <laughs> yes. You yes. comment, a former Man United and Wales great who can barely crack a smile, just what they need. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right, well, well done to Coventry. Uh, all the way down in, in, in League Two, 53 places below Stoke in the footballing pyramid, uh, which coincidentally is exactly the same margin between Newport and Elite, who they dumped out of the FA Cup uh, with that absolutely terrific header. Who loved this one from Sean McCulsky at a rocking Rodney parade? I am I am a huge fan of a towering header, possibly mm. even a crashing one. It was right on the border of the two. And a, a fine way to decide a cup tie, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the leap, because I, he kind of clambers all over uh, one of the Leeds defenders on his way, I think. Yeah, I think when a header's as impressive as that, I think subconsciously referees, perhaps without the use of VAR, might let that one slide because it was just so nice to watch. It certainly was. OK, uh, Yeovil Town were the lowest-ranked team left in the competition. Uh, they're currently 21st in League Two. They knocked out Bradford City of League One at Hewish Park. Uh, in other kind of minnow news, uh, Notts County won at Brentford. Great work from Kevin Nolan, of course, he's doing mm. uh, a wonderful job there. And, uh, oh, Man United beat Derby with another from Lingard. This game a little bit overshadowed by Mourinho's clown Just comments. I'm, I'm not sure what will have happened by the time this reaches your ears, listeners, because there's plenty of gas left in this explosion. Not sure how far, how much further they can take it. Uh, but Conte's offering of a, of a face-to-face meeting in a room together is, is a particularly choice development. How did it start, though, Rafa? Who's, who's right? Who's wrong? <laughs> well, it started with uh, Jose Mourinho fielding questions about his perceived lack of commitment and passion for the job and replying um, by sticking the knife in into other managers. He didn't name anyone, but he said, you know, I don't have to behave like a clown on a touchline to be dedicated to my job, etc., um, it could have referred to a number of managers who are a bit more animated than him these days. But Conte is the one who seemed to have taken the bait. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was dressed up. I wasn't at the press conference. I don't know if they made it out as if Mourinho was specifically referring to him and basically led him down the the path a little bit. He certainly or, had a go at Conte's celebrations before. Yes, he and had. His, and his hair. Yes, mm. yes. So um, Conte then replied... Uh, in a very uh, well, he said Mourinho should remember way. things that he's done. Yeah. He seems to have forgotten them. I think it's called senile, senile dementia. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I love Mourinho's response, which was so Mourinho-esque. He basically said, "I don't blame Conte for this at all. It's the reporters who've misled him. They've put words in my mouth. Yeah. I absolutely don't blame Conte. You know, I'm going to make mistakes, but one thing I'll never be is done for match fixing. Slip that one in, Jose. <laughs> I, th- I think in terms of it's pure delivery that's possibly the highlight of the exchange so far because he started off with with that particular quote he started off quite gently yeah. it looked like he was putting the fire out and then on went the gasoline um it was it was it was brilliantly delivered um uh could you describe it as a low blow i mean um legally uh yeah Conte Conte was was never ex- done. yeah he was, never he was done. acquitted so it, yeah it is quite entertaining but uh, do you not think both managers should just be beyond this? No, I, I think this it. is brilliant and I hope it goes on for as long as possible. I do feel, though, for Chelsea fans whose hearts must be torn in two over this. Yeah, um, well... I think they're over Mourinho at this, at, at this point, yeah. Are you ever over Chelsea, say. though? Whatever you say, whatever you tell yourself. Yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, so then, so then we had the match fixing, and, and, and Conte came back and he said uh, Jose was a little man. He called him a fake as well. Yeah. And I think pr- produced some pretty damning evidence for that. Uh, the, the Ranieri, Ranieri business, thing, yeah. and then said, uh, "Let's meet in a room to sort this out." <laughs> he of didn't course, say room, did he? He just said, "We'll we'll mm. see each other for the at Stamford Bridge." Okay, yeah, all right. Well, you I, might have you might have face to face. I believe is the phrase he used. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. I quite like how Conte delivered though. He's just really calm. Just he he, he wasn't biting at all. He's I don't a, think. Yeah, he's a little man. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, Conte struck me as someone that if it if it ever, which he wouldn't come to sort of physical altercation, well, you he say could it wouldn't probably but, I mean, handle himself as yeah. long as he didn't, as long as Mourinho didn't go for the hair. Listen, even Arsene Wenger's had Jose Mourinho on the sideline, so mm-hmm. I think Conte can can take him. And he can bring his dinner as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they meet at Old Trafford in, in February. February. Yeah. Wow. So hopefully this whole narrative can smoulder along until then. Because <laughs> we've got to have something to keep us entertained, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well done both of those two. Uh, where did we get to the FA Cup? Oh, Man City. There was a little bit of controversy there. Rafa, I know you're big on rules. What would, what's the rule on a referee blowing a whistle for a free kick? Because you could understand, could you, Burnley's uh, bitterness, frustration over the way that Man City equaliser came about? No, you can't. Oh. The argument is that we cheated, that's why we shouldn't be punished for you scoring a goal. Well, I think the, the primary argument was we weren't ready and in a sporting sense, uh, Man City tricked us. Aguero kind of drops to his haunches as if he's waiting for the referee to blow the whistle. It's common, is it not, for the referee to blow the whistle for the free kick to be taken? He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Mm. He doesn't have to. David, as a player, where, where would you stand Well, it on just this? depends whether it's in the advantage of the team that's taking the free kick. Right. Yeah. yeah, and if it is, then they should be allowed to do it. So just take a free kick as soon as... Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at all. I mean, a lot of sides like like uh, Guardiola sides teams that like to play football. As soon as a free kick's given, they like to take it, so they can take it quickly, so the other team's not set up defensively. So that's all they've done. Yeah. Mm. I remember um, there was an incident a few years ago where the referee then afterwards came out and said, if it's a so-called ceremonial mm. um, free kick where you're pointing at the whistle and say, "Don't do anything, mm. just right. wait." At that point, if the team just plays on, you'd you'd uh, you'd call it back. But if it's just a free kick and the team just takes it really quickly, that's it. There was quite a period where this happened uh, a few times. So, like, the players would uh, ask the referee, can I take a quick one? They ask their permission to do it. And referees would kind of sort of step out the way and sort of open their arms like a maitre d' and say, go ahead. And Henri would sort of curl one over the wall or something. Well, the deception was brilliantly executed. Man City won comfortably anyway. Nice to see Claudio Bravo still in excellent form, eh, David? (laughs) <laughs> well, well, there was a bit of a. Somebody said to me on, on Twitter and asked me what I thought about it, and it was he was just beaten by power. I know he's beaten at the near post, but mm. he's beaten by pace and power. And someone saying that Shea Given had said that he was at fault, but to be honest with you, I think the ball was already past him before he could react. Okay, Newcastle beat Luton three uh, one. The downside for them is the fact that uh, Captain Jamal Lachelles has picked up an injury. Stats say that when they don't have Jamal in the team. They don't get wins. They haven't actually won a game that he hasn't started since last May. Wow. Is that not FA Cup enough for you? Here's some more then, Adam. Uh, Fulham lost at home to Saints. Saints fans still booed Pellegrino. West Brom got their first victory under Alan Pardew. 2-0 away extra. Hmm. He likes a cup run, doesn't he? Yes. Someone say yes, and I'll move he on. Certainly, to the next d- one. yeah. Pardew possibly needs a cut run more Does than he? either because he, um, I, I think I mentioned this last time I was here. He d- he hasn't really been noticed. Pardew likes to be noticed. He's mm. he's he breathes um, sort of attention, but um, yeah, he needs a cut run really. Okay, let's be honest. We all want to see what his next variation of his dance is, right? When no. you say we... No, we don't. <laughs> when you say we... <laughs> yeah. The royal way. Yeah. Um, uh, elsewhere, listeners, did you see Fleetwood Leicester? The Beeb had prepared all that coming home business and, and, and Vardy didn't play, but maybe he'll feature in the, uh, in the, in the rematch because it was 0-0 when they, they meet again at the King Power in the replay. Uh, 0-0 between Wolves and Swansea, a, a draw as well between Bournemouth and Wigan. Uh, Shrewsbury, or Shrewsbury as some people like to say, people from Shrewsbury mainly, uh, had a 0-0 draw with West Ham. Joe Hart up against his, his old club and, and he said that West Ham were terrible. Yeah, they weren't great. He didn't have a spare cap either, did he? No, it was a, it was a big two, uh, two fingers up to, uh, to everyone who said he wouldn't get another cap. Ha! <laughs> hey! <laughs> it worked well on Twitter. I thought it worked well on here, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's good. And, and of course, David, you watched Spurs and their 3-0 win over uh, mighty AFC Wimbledon. Yeah, the labour to, to victory, really. It, it was. Um, they, they tried to overplay and, and try to walk the ball in the net. Lorente wanted forever to, to to finish any ball that came into him. Right. Um, but once the, the real difference was Harry Kane played, which was a big surprise. Uh-huh. But the big difference was when Son came on. Right. Totally okay. changed the dynamic. 
All right. Uh, it all kicked off the uh, third round Friday night uh, with Liverpool taking on Everton. A terrific debut from uh, from uh, Van Dijk, of course, who um, who scored the winner. Yes, it was and one looked of good generally. Is that fair? He did look good generally. Um, yes, of course, it was one of those moments where people say you couldn't script it. When I'd, I'd say that was a very sort of you could uh, actually that's low exactly. level script work. I would have thought, but. Um, uh, but they were they were uh, Andrew Andrew Robertson uh, left back, which mm. is kind of Liverpool's kind of medium term problem position really, and he did the um, the two things that you want from a modern left back, which is kind of be adventurous going forward, but also be quite disciplined and tenacious in defence as well. So uh, he's he's got a good left foot in him as well. So yeah, they've they've stumbled across a solution there, I think. Excellent. Everton meanwhile have lost their past three games now with just two goals in the last five matches, uh, but they have now completed the signing. Of Besiktas striker. Now, somebody did tell me how to pronounce this properly, and it wasn't what we've been saying. Not Cenk Tozum? <clears throat> well, we'll go with that. Cenk, no. Cenk. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Cenk but it doesn't have a shun. It doesn't have a. All right. Listeners, if you know better, let us know. But he could be. Uh, he could be in the lineup, of course, when they take on. They're next up, I think, away to Spurs, Everton. Mm. It's a big game. It's a big game. But transfer wise. It's the other side, the Merseyside, that's had everyone a chittering and a chattering since Friday with the news about Philippe Coutinho. Why and and why now? The question's dominating a lot of football fans' uh, thoughts over the weekend. And just after this, we're going to be discussing it uh, because uh, fans of Spinal Tap drummers will be excited to know we've got another Spanish football correspondent. Well then, listeners, Philippe Coutinho, why? And why now? Well, on the line from España is Alvaro Romeo. Hi, Alvaro. Hello, James. Hello. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. The, the first thing, though, that I wanted to ask you about was the Coutinho deal. Uh, the Liga is pretty much done and dusted. He can't play in the Champions League. So the question everyone's a little bit confused about is why have Barcelona gone for him now? Well, I think that Barcelona needed uh, to make uh, one big statement after losing Neymar. Uh, I believe that uh, with a player like Philippe Coutinho, whenever he's available, uh, you have to sign him because uh, who knows, perhaps in the future he changes his mind, perhaps in the future he sees how Liverpool improves and he wants to stay. And I am not that surprised that Barcelona has signed him already in the way. In the winter uh, window, why? Number one, because I think it's more important to sign a player uh, that you need uh, for a long term rather than a player that can play in Champions League. If Barcelona gets knocked out from Champions League by Chelsea in March, then having signed a player that you didn't want but could play in Champions League would have been a very reckless move. Uh, number two, uh, since Neymar left, Barcelona has lost a bit of vitality. Yes, the results are excellent. Yes, some players like uh, um, Paulinho have stepped up, but I think that Barcelona's squad is not as good as last season. So, Philippe Coutinho is, uh, is a player who can, uh, who can add some versatility, vitality, energy, electricity uh, to the team. He's also a good goal scorer. He's got a great passing ability. And uh, I believe that him being so creative is going to is going to let Messi relax a little bit because uh, this season creative responsibility has been on Messi's shoulder. Uh, now I think that with Coutinho, Messi and him uh, can uh, you know find some connections on the pitch, and this is going to be tremendously uh, valuable for Barcelona. Well, that's the plan anyway, because in the past Messi has had once or twice problems with uh, big name players brought in. Uh, alongside him, like uh, David Villa, Ibrahimovic, but certainly not so much of late with the likes of Suarez and, and Neymar. Uh, this Barcelona side at the moment good enough to be, what, 16 points clear now of Real Madrid? Is that a record? Uh, well, it's not, it's not a record. Uh, in the 2012-2013 season, there was some sort of a similar difference between Barcelona and Real Madrid. Barcelona topped the, the table at this stage in the season and they ended up winning it. Uh, the thing is that uh, 
no one expected that Barcelona was going to be this good or this far away from Real Madrid at this point in the season, considering that uh, back in August, Real Madrid uh, destroyed Barcelona in the Spanish Super Cup. Uh, they were better than Barcelona at the Nou Camp. They were better than Barcelona at the Santiago Bernabéu. Then Real Madrid went on winning the European Super Cup against uh, Manchester United. And it all looked set for Real Madrid to have a really uh, a strong and good season in La Liga. But But the, the most important thing is that it looks like a, there is some sort of euphoria at Barcelona that uh, it is extremely, or it was inimaginable considering how low Barcelona was in August when they lost Neymar and when they lost against Real Madrid in the Spanish Super Cup. Yeah, absolutely. What, what do you think? Um, will Real Madrid react to the Coutinho signing and the, the kind of the PR? Uh, values of, of that by by trying to make a big move of their own. There has been a lot of talk of of their interest for for the likes of Kane and Eden Hazard. Yes, those has been the, those have been the names. Uh, I think that Real Madrid in winter is not going to make a move like uh, Barcelona did with Coutinho. It doesn't look like. Of course, Real Madrid is going to make a big statement this summer because it's been a couple of summers that they haven't signed the likes of Ronaldo, the likes of Bale, but it doesn't seem that now in winter they are going to sign that big player, uh, that new Galactico. Hey, listeners, the January transfer window is open again. You know what that means. Panic buys, tabloid lies, yellow ties. But if you think you've got what it takes to identify a talent from the Dutch leagues like Liverpool did with Luis Suarez and Barra didn't with Alfonso Alves, then you need to check out the football stock market, Football Index. Football Index is a new way to profit from your football knowledge and make some money. Buy players, build a portfolio, earn dividends and sell at a profit and a tax-free one at that. Because you listen to the Totally Football Show, you can try Football Index and trade up to £1,000 entirely risk-free. Just head to footballindex.co.uk, enter the promo code TOTALLY, and if you don't love Football Index, you'll get a full refund with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Download the app or play online at footballindex.co.uk and become a football trader today. Terms and conditions apply. You must be over 18. Deposit required. And please, trade responsibly. Adam, Alvaro Romeo. Yes, it dawned on me about halfway through that, uh, a horrifying realisation that he actually ran rings around me um, about two months ago in five aside. Really? So it, it was it was nice to uh, nice to um, engage with him without him running past me with a ball. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, although he probably could have done that, even while, delivering, even while uh, delivering distilling the whole Coutinho yeah. situation. Is Rafa, I, I know you often cut through the whole Gordian knot of, of, of transfer intricacies. Basically, is this a deal where everybody wins, particularly... Philippe Coutinho? Well, he does win. He goes to the, the club he wanted to go to. He plays with players that he admires, that he's close with. In the case of Luis Suarez, um, lovely story in uh, one of the major newspapers um, revealing that Luis Suarez has uh, actually took up a lease on a house next to him in anticipation of uh, Philippe Coutinho coming, which is nice. Obviously, under the impression, I think this is Barcelona exerting some kind of pressure on him that the deal had to be done now because Barcelona couldn't guarantee that be it, that they would come in for him uh, again in the summer. Who knows what was going to happen in the summer, that it had to happen now. And for Liverpool, of course, it does constitute a gamble, but it, it constitutes a gamble either way. You either are gambling on Coutinho staying and being unhappy, but reacting professionally enough that you're not affected and not affecting his teammates with his uh, demeanour and all that kind of stuff, or you're gambling on yourself saying we will use the money well enough to improve or we are good enough to, to do without him for the, for the time being. And I can only deduct or can only assume that they looked at Coutinho's behavior and the way he, um, away from the actual games, but the way he sort of behaved and felt that this was not a sustainable right. situation for another six months. And... I think it's funny and it's highly ironic because they would have also looked at how what happened with Southampton and Van Dijk, who made a you know strong stance in not selling him, but probably came to regret it very mm. quickly and would have happy would have been happy to have the money then and to invest it rather than have six months of Van Dijk who Although they didn't did want make to be a, there. They did get a significant increase, didn't they, between the summer price and the one they yeah, got but, in January? But look where they are on the table. Yeah. I mean that extra twenty million. Um, 
is great, but you'll have just have to spend it. So fair enough. It doesn't really buy you much. And the same with Alexis Sanchez. I think if Arsenal would have said in July and August, you know, go, you're off. I think it would have been much better off rather than just dragging this thing on. Yeah. And getting the odd good performance every other four or five weeks or so. So I think, yeah, it does it does constitute a gamble. And of course, if Liverpool don't achieve whatever their goals are this year, then people will point at that decision and say this is where it all unraveled. A lot of people are talking about who they should bring in. Kevin Kassane saying, uh, will Klopp look to the Bundesliga for a Coutinho replacement? Mitchell Sterling says they should be spending their money on Jan Oblak and not, not trying to replace Coutinho at all. Uh, John Gerrard, though, saying, have Liverpool actually already spent the Coutinho money with the signing of Van Dijk and, and, and of course, Naby Keita? I mean, with Keita, it's very interesting because I don't, necess- I don't really see him as a replacement. For Coutinho. For Coutinho. Of course, he's a, midf- he's a central midfielder, but that's where sort of the similarities end, really. I see him more as somebody who's in the engine room. Mm. He can play as a Scotty. six, he can play as an eight. Um, there is tremendous attacking potential to be unlocked, but it comes from a deeper position than, than Coutinho. So I think getting Keita in now would almost be more of a, I wouldn't say a PR move, but more of a move to sort of maybe changing the the dynamic of this mm. little bit of discontent that's certainly around Liverpool as far as the fans are concerned. And and rightly so, because I think you had the sense over the last few weeks that something very special is happening with those four guys and that maybe in the cup competitions, Liverpool were you know, in a position to do something. And I think they will miss him because he is the only creative midfielder that they actually have. Do you not think really? I mean, Lalana. Okay, he's hardly played this year. In theory, he's he should be able to do it, but we haven't really seen it this year because he's been injured. So I don't know. There's Riyad Mahrez, of course. Liverpool yes. have said absolutely no mm. truth in it whatsoever. <laughs> of okay. course not. Right. Same with Lamar. So, uh, do you think we'll see a big January signing? Could it be from the Bundesliga? Could it be from Borussia Dortmund? I don't see anyone who would necessarily fit as a replacement for Coutinho. Mm. But that is the reason why Barcelona paid so much money <laughs> because there aren't many players who can do what he does uh, and who is who is in that kind of bracket where you could see him as a number 10, you could play him on the wings, you can play him in a slightly deeper position and he's technically so good. There is no no such player in the Bundesliga apart from possibly Thiago Alcantara, but mm. the Bayern will not sell anyone in winter. I think Pulisic, Christian Pulisic is a player that Liverpool have tried to sub to buy before. Uh-huh. I'd be very surprised if they don't come in heavily for him next summer. Okay, But he, again, wouldn't be a replacement because he is a little bit like the Coutinho that arrived five years earlier. Right. Who's not quite ready to play in that central role. He's more of a winger, more of a number 10 who mm-hmm. just has one or two touches and wouldn't be right. Even if, even if Dortmund were to prepare to sell him, which right. they aren't he wouldn't be able to do what Coutinho has been doing for this you, team. You speak like a man who's just spent a weekend in Spain with Borussia Dortmund. And just Pulisic. a couple of days, yes. Right. yes. Okay, how were they? Um, they were very happy. Uh, they were very happy under their new coach, Peter Stöger. And uh, it was very interesting because they said they basically uh, revealed that <laughs> they really benefited from Barcelona's interest in Coutinho in the summer because Jurgen Klopp um, passed on a message to Dortmund saying, don't worry, we're not going to sell. Um, if Barcelona come to you with Dembele, be be assured that they have enough money to spend on him and ask him a lot of money for it. <laughs> um, and I think it's a bit of a surprise almost that Barcelona have been able to have that kind of significant outlay again, uh, only six months after. I mean, Dembele has become sort of the forgotten man in, in European football because he has hardly played through his injury, but they did spend a record sum on him mm. and uh, now they've, they've topped that again uh, with Coutinho so I don't know how that leaves where that leaves them uh, with the likes of Antoine Guzman for example for the summer um, Barcelona I think need to sell the odd player right. to uh, to generate more money available for them with Coutinho it, it 
they'd already done it in the summer. They'd already delayed it and sort of made promises, and it was all dictated by Barcelona. It was if they were going to wait till the end of the season, then that's when it was going to be done. They, they couldn't turn around to continue again and denying the move. That's when the problems would start. You'd only really do it once in that situation. But I don't think there's a, there's really a need to replace him now. No, they can do with Lallana's back now. They can do with him for six months. What it does do. In my in my mind, and what I understand is they will bring a goalkeeper in. Who? Well, they've spoken to. Uh, there's been discussions with Stoke, with uh, with Jack Butland, right? But uh, Allison's uh, been a, a name that's of been Roma, mentioned. Yeah, Brazilian number one, which I think would be a, a better option than Butland. I've watched Butland this season. Um, he's clearly been affected by his injury from last season, affected by what's in front of him, uh, defending his goal. Uh-huh. Um, just doesn't really seem like the same goalkeeper and the same sort of... He, he always had a real confidence in himself, almost an, an arrogance as well, mm. but he, he backed it up. He, he looked so comfortable in goal and then just watched, like I said, with Mark Hughes earlier, watching him at Chelsea, seems to be really affected by it all and I think that's that will possibly make up uh, Jurgen Klopp's mind. All right. Can I just ask you, do you think Loris Karius, from what you've seen from him, is beyond repair? Or is there a, a goalkeeper there a little bit like... Like Testegen, for example, who used to make a lot of mistakes mm. at Gladbach, actually has all the technical ability to be to be a good goalkeeper if he settles down. I think a lot of the mistakes that he's making are fundamental. Uh, so, I mean, when you watch it uh, at, at Mainz, I, I, was, I was quite confident he'd do well at Liverpool. He, he, he looked a totally different keeper. Um, he looked good with the ball at his feet, uh, making saves. He's, maybe he's in a bit of a weakness uh, dealing with crosses, but... It, when he was coming for it, he's been very aggressive. But now, just I mean, the goal the other night uh, is, is the ball's laid back to Sigurdsson. He 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 takes it like a crazy jump to his right, sort of out of the way of the ball, and he's never in a position. Doesn't matter where the ball's going in the goal, because he does that, he's never in a position to in a set position to save the ball. And I just think sometimes when you when I when I look at that, and he's been there eighteen months now. The only thing that would change it would be another move for him, and I think that w- that's what would change him because I think sometimes you get to a certain point at the club. I've, I know myself; it, it takes a long time for it to get that. I spent one at one time in my career. I spent fifteen months at the side, but I was able to to rebuild my game and and go back and change things and work on a lot. Where with him, he's been in and out a lot now, especially mm. the season, and I think that's been quite damaging for him. Instead of instead of just allowing him to to go and sort of reanalyse his game and I think now it's when he comes in yeah he, some games he does okay but you, you're never filled with, with, with confidence that he, he looks like he's going to go on and, and, and have a good run of games mm. okay. some, mm. some interesting stuff on um, on Twitter saving numbers shot saving numbers from, yeah. from goalkeepers it was Colin Trainer, I think wasn't it yeah, yeah. Colin Trainer, and um, Alisson is basically off the charts yeah. okay complete freak above, above the gear numbers and yeah. Yeah, I mean, Colin rightly says it's it's unsustainable. I think he can keep him up to the end of the season. But uh-huh. for the three years that he's got the the numbers for him, he he looks like forty million would be a steal. Wow. Well, I mean, Roma have already sold uh, Mohamed Salah to Liverpool for the the brilliantly inflated price of what was it, thirty five million or something. <laughs> So if they now go and uh, sell their goalkeeper as well, yeah. But recent history said that they, they've got a good recruitment policy with goalkeepers. No, Chesney, the yeah. Chesney in work for them, and, and now Allison. So I, had, I must admit, I haven't seen this in the, the, the Italian press, but I probably will do after this podcast because I know they're, they're avid listeners. Um, I mentioned the fact that there are. Well, I suggested there might be no losers in the the Coutinho to Barcelona deal, but of course there is one big one, and it's Inter Milan, who now uh, have I think three of the worst all time. Transfers. Oh, they, get, they get two million pounds. For it. <laughs> <laughs> is it one and a half percent, isn't it? Yeah. One and a half percent. Bless. So that takes them to what? About nine and a half million that they sold uh, Coutinho to yeah. Liverpool for. This is the same club that let Roberto Carlos go. And Pirlo. And Pirlo as well. They did get sixteen million for for sixteen and a half million for Pirlo back in the early noughties, which was still a sum back in those days. But still, still a eh? bless. I've got some more German questions. Let's see. Transfer-wise, tell us about Lynn Goretzka's move on a free to Bayern Munich. Who is he, first of all? 
Oh, he is a German international, box to box. He's been touted as a big talent in German football for a while. Went from Bochum to Schalke. Um, it's been slower, perhaps his his rise to the top than anticipated. But in the last um, six, seven, ten months or so, he's really come into his own. He was uh, very influential for Germany at the Confederations Cup. I think he will be um, at the World Cup as well. And uh, he's running down his contract. Bayern feel or are very confident that they had some agreement back in place in the summer that he told them, look, I'm going to come, um, see if you can get me now. And I think Bayern never really made a, really any serious attempt to bring that move forward. But they've been happy to just wait for him to run down the contract. And there are some... There's obviously some interest from other clubs, but I haven't seen anything uh, credible to suggest that that deal isn't in place okay. anymore. Schalke have denied it. Have well, they've said we don't know anything about it. But why would they? They'd be the last ones to know. His agent has told Schalke a decision has not been made. But um, in Munich, people very close to the club are saying this is done. Expect an announcement very soon. All right. And I believe them because that's what I've been told back in the summer. Okay. Uh, big news, of course, in German football right now while the winter break continues is uh, Lukas Pazolski opening a kebab and ice cream yeah. parlour. No, the ice cream parlour had opened before. Oh, so they're different establishments? Yes. It's not kind of a one-stop no. shop? No. Oh, that's no. a shame. Uh, so that market still, that niche is still available if you're in Cologne thinking of a kebab ice cream. But why kebabs? Has that always been something for him? He, I don't know if it's always been something, but of course he has played in Turkey until very recently, uh -huh. and I think he's a big fan of uh, of Turkish cuisine, right? And obviously found someone who has uh, the pr you know the necessary yeah. know how connections. He could, he could call it Podonalskis. Podonalski. No, doesn't work. Leave it. <laughs> Don't worry, that's that's how they've we've all, um, we've yeah, all five, been there. Five hour queues, five hour queues in Cologne to meet Podolski. Oh, really? Because he and was the there at the opening. Shop, yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, I haven't had a kebab in ages. No, me neither. Oh, yeah, I had one last night. Did you, David? Did yeah. With chili sauce from Green Green Lanes with everything on. I think. Yeah. Everything beautiful. Was. I re highly recommend it. Your head perked up <laughs> for the first time in, in literally an hour. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always up. interested in uh, you had me tales of, of, of meat and bread uh, <laughs> yeah. combining. Yeah, absolutely. Had, yeah. Okay, how's his ice cream parlor doing? I think it's doing well. Rubbish name though. What's it called? Ice Cream United. That's really bad, isn't <laughs> what? it? What's the what's the um, what's the kebab place called? Um, I think it's just called Manga Kebab. Okay. Mangal is grill in Turkish. Ah, right. So, so it's essentially tautologist, isn't it? No. Because no, kebab not. is what you put on the grill. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, right. Lucas. Hey, here's a question. Uh, Paul Cooney says, Benevento won again, and they now have seven points. Cologne only have six. What has happened to Cologne this season to make them the worst side <laughs> in the top five European leagues? The Europa League has happened to them. Um, I mean, that in itself perhaps doesn't really explain it, but they lost their most important player in Anthony Modest, who moved to um, to China. He was the guy that really made a big difference. And Peter Stöger, in four years, really had a side that was very, very um, defensively organized, very effective. And then they had this guy up front who just needed one or two touches and just would just score goals every year, 20 goals every year. You take him out, you've got Jean Cordoba in, who's okay, but doesn't really hold the ball well up. And one or two injuries, for example, Jonas Hector, the German international, got injured. And it fell apart, completely fell apart with the, with the fans and the club completely being uh, fixated on, on the Europa League and, mm. uh, and the, the amazement of it. Did they, were they taking it seriously? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> yes, they were taking it very seriously. And yeah, Peter right. Stöger had to go. Some rumours suggest, some conspiracy suggests that he already had the deal with Dortmund in place. Mm when he put an ultimatum uh, to the Cologne board saying, back me or fire me now. All right. And they fired him. Okay. And uh, also uh, Schmatke, the sporting director, okay. um, left. So, so it's a bit of a shame because Cologne used to be a bit of a basket case, um, a club that was always super hysterical and made knee-jerk decisions. And Stöger, four and a half years, brought some real stability 
uh, and of course success to the team after going up again uh, after their um, relegation in 2012. And now it's, it looks as if they have to start again because they will be relegated. Has, uh, Were they? has Timo Horn, has, has he suffered because of the, the way they're playing? I think he has. still making saves. What about what he's about Hennis the Eighth? The How's Hennis the Eighth? <laughs> I think he's he's uh, he's doing okay. Okay, um, he's the goat. He's the goat, the Billy goat, <laughs> not real like life. Messi goat, no. but you know the actual um, four-legged yeah. goat. Okay, Tom Johnson says any chance Honigstein can shed some light on Sheffield Wednesday's appointment of Josh? How do I pronounce this? Luhaki? Luhukai. Luhukai. Won two promotions to the Bundesliga once with a record points total, but what style can Wednesday fans expect? Uh, says the uh, very well-informed Tom Johnson. Um, it's really interesting uh, appointment because he's basically been off the radar since 2015 when he when he left Hertha. I'd be struggling to tell you, you know, what sort of what his unique talent is. I think he is just a manager that gets a team to play to their strengths. He's very, very pragmatic. I mean, there weren't free-flowing, sort of expensive sides. He was, uh, there are two schools in Dutch football. One is the the Cruyffian and, you know, we have the possession and we play football and the other is sort of the Feyenoord, Rotterdam will win by by any means necessary and we'll, we'll, we'll kick you a little bit. And he is more on that side um, not in the, se- in the sense of being dirty, but very ultra pragmatic, just mm. setting the team up not to concede, uh, like to play on the counter attack. And it's a really interesting appointment because, as I said, since 2015, he's basically not been in a job. And to go back to a manager two years later and think of him, oh, what about this guy? I think it could be, could be quite smart. Okay. Um, I mean, he's a very solid, experienced manager, I think is what you can say. Listeners, do you like shaving and looking smooth and clean? Yes! But do you enjoy having to go to the shops for new razors and other shaving supplies? No! Well, Cornerstone gives you everything you need for a great shave and they'll deliver it all right to your door. Cornerstone's super sharp, award-winning blades are engineered in Germany, which is always a good sign, and their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Get £10 off your first order and check out the range for yourself at cornerstone.co.uk slash totally and find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. Going back to Paul Clooney's question, of course he mentions that Benevent have won again. That's two wins in a row now. Adam Hurry, are you a fan of the Witches of the South? Uh, absolutely. Who yeah. hasn't now been they started winning. Exactly. I'm ultimate yeah, glory hunter. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, two wins in a row. This time uh, a 3-2 victory against 10-man Sampdoria. Remember, they only got one point from the first 18 games. They're now eight points from safety. Can they do it? Well, this time last year, Rafa, Crotoni were nine points from safety. And, of course, they stayed up. Bosch. We'll see, eh? I believe. Um, Lots of other Italian news. Basically, the top two are now eight points clear of the chasing pack. Atalanta. Basically, Atalanta. Archimbolda says, how about some praise for Atalanta? Downing both Napoli and the Cup... And Roma, in the matter of one week, is no small feat. Roma, of course, this happened uh, this weekend at the Stadio Olimpico. Roma had left Nangolan out after that video he posted of his New Year's Eve celebration, which was quite a full-on affair, quite the session. Um, but anyway, no, not to take anything away, as they they, they like to say, um, from Atalanta, who were brilliant. And big thing in, in Gazetta today, all about how the big clubs can learn from them. Not least... One lovely little detail there is that the Picassi family who own Atalanta, Bergamo-based outfit, give an Atalanta kit to all, to every newborn baby, every newborn mm. child in, uh, in 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 Bergamo. Lovely like, colours, smart. Yeah. Hmm? Lovely colours. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, but yeah, the main thing they say is basically their squad is so complete. They w- whatever happens, they've got someone to cover. Which when you look at big clubs, it's remarkable how often big clubs with the resources they have just don't have the cover for. For players, I mean, in Inter, they gave the example of um, Icardi and Inter, who they might soon have to find cover from because there's all sorts of talk that maybe he might be making a move uh, towards either the Liga or, or, or maybe uh, Old Trafford. Oof. Uh, we had a nice chat with Alvaro before on the Spanish tip. Uh, Diego Costa made his uh, league debut for Atletico Madrid or his re-debut for Atletico Madrid and uh, typically nondescript phase scored and then was immediately sent off for jumping into the crowd. Um, Barcelona beat Levante 3-0 I mentioned the fact they're now 16 points clear of Real Madrid who got held uh, 2-2 by Celta Vigo and uh, Vincenzo Montella made his debut in the Liga 
with Sevilla. It didn't go so well. They lost 3-5 in the Sevilla derby against Betis. Transfers. Of course, there's going to be all sorts of talk about transfers between now and January 31st. Yeah. Ross Barkley's gone to Chelsea. 15 million. Is that... How do I take that? Is that a bargain? Is it a... I was surprised by the move. You're Adam, you're nodding. You're surprised by the move. No, I'm not I'm not surprised by the move. I realize, I, I, I understand that the fee is, is a debatable um part of the of the move. I mean it, it's a logical one for, for Barkley. Right. Um he's he's expressed all the usual sentiments about being able to kick on with his career and all that sort of stuff. For Chelsea At Chelsea? Yeah, well um Does he get into that team? Well, that's one of the very first questions he was asked by their own in house T V channel, which oh. was where do you see yourself fitting into this team, which I thought was a bit of a Which bit... team were they talking about? Vitesse Arnhem? Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, he obviously he, he suggested he could play anywhere kind of across that forward line. Um personally I think he Oh really? Yeah, he he said you know, he'll do a job anywhere as they always say. Yeah, but, but in the forward line. Yeah, so okay. so I mean he obviously as Many players like him, he expresses a preference for playing as a number 10. Okay. But personally, I think as their squad currently stands, his mm. best chance of, of getting into the picture is probably to replace Willian in that role of, you know, either getting the odd start here or there or coming on to change a game. Right. And then, and that could. Conceive- Which Willian's pretty good at. Yeah, he is. But I think this season, his, his power seemed to have faded a bit. There, Would there- you say? Yes. Well, there, there were well, there was talk at the in the summer of United coming in for him, which was a bit horrifying for some Chelsea fans because they they have a lot of faith in William yeah. to change games whether he starts or or comes on as a sub. So, um, but he he hasn't been quite the same this season, and um, Pedro's probably stepped up a little bit more than he has. Mm. Okay. So I think that's probably where Barkley can can kind of edge his way in. Do you think he's going to edge his way in? Don't would you? You're scowling over there, David. No, I, I just think he's English. Fifteen million pounds seems a good price. It's no brainer. Fifty million pounds. I mean, there was um, some conspiracy theorising about Ooh. how that move came about because obviously oh. it was thirty-five million pounds in the summer, and then suddenly it's fifteen million pounds just because he's kicked his heels a bit at Everton. Um, because uh, the the big spanner and potential spanner in the works is he's, he suffered quite a horrific hamstring injury. As far as hamstring injuries go, he's got, he's got a huge scar down the down his down his hamstring, um, which we, which he revealed during his rehabilitation. And and uh, hamstring injuries have a habit of undermining kind of the rest of players' careers. Michael right. Owen, of course, who went down like he was shot at Leeds back in sort of 2000 mm. and uh, was never quite the same after that. Well, it's yeah. not the same player, not arguably a lot worse, but he wasn't the same explosive kind of player. That's interesting. Cy Ram asks, do you think Conte can get as much out of Barclays Guardiola has managed with Sterling, which is an interesting comparison across Sterling not with the same injury issues. Well, it's, this is a running theme for this season. You, you've, you've got Guardiola, who's, who's unlocked Sterling's qualities. Mm. Um, Lingard at United, who uh, I think Mourinho perhaps deserves a little bit more credit. Oh, no, for, we, we've done that. Yeah, we and, did say well done. Jesus. OK, apologies. Yeah. And um, so this, is, this could be Conte's pet project um, um, for the however much time he has left at Chelsea. Um, and uh, yeah, Barkley is in an irresistible project, I think, for a manager like that. You, you know, there's something there. You you just you watch him play, and you just think physically, technically, he's good enough to play for a team like Chelsea. But um, but the age-old story is, can he do it on a weekly basis? Will he be given the chance to do it on a weekly basis? Right. Well, I you don't look- think Conte's mm-hmm. remotely fast about Barkley's long-term prospect for Chelsea? <laughs> really? Yeah, really. He didn't give him a great build-up, really. No, did. He said, "I'm not buying any players. I don't even know who's coming or going." Didn't seem to be, but it's in his interests to get something out of him. I, I realise he doesn't care about the next ten years of his career, but he could be a he could yeah. be a useful player for Chelsea in the no, next. Of six course, months. but you wonder, you know, it it seems more to me as if Chelsea have bought another player that is going to be there for the future, and he would have preferred somebody who's ready made who can really make a difference Mr. now. Mister Right now, um, I mean Danny Drinkwater. Yeah, I mean, he does you, a job. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was injured. Was I've, I've, I've been. I mean, I'm a bit biased. I've played with Danny, and I know how good a player is. But and and the t- times I've seen him play for Chelsea this season, last few weeks, he's impressed. He's hmm? been better than Bakayoko for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, there you go. Then. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And any other transfer moves that I think that... it's not. I I must admit, I don't. As a Chelsea fan, I wouldn't be hugely excited about the prospect of Ross Barkley. Right. I think he's been all promise and very little delivery. Mm. He's twenty four. Is he? He's been talked about as the next big thing since he was 18, six years ago. 
very little of that has actually materialised. All right, then. Um, we'll be back on Thursday for another edition of Totally Football Show. Of course, uh, we'll also be discussing in that this evening's uh, concluding match in the third round, not counting the replays, of course. Adam, you dub it the rivalry most of us still can't explain as uh, as Brighton going to call them right on which in a way is correct because they're quite a forward progressive outfit so, yeah. yeah brighton anyway uh take on crystal palace well, var going on there i'm afraid oh. so adam we did var you're just you in you you've drawn yourself up to your full height to I, I know, but unleash I just, your I just, var i know i know I, I i have no desire to go into var in great detail but there right. is one tiny aspect of yes. it which i'm really looking forward to okay. seeing which is um um that if any player approaches the referee and performs a an imaginary TV shape, he will be booked. The so it's the new, Blair, it's the new it's imaginary card. Show. It's the new yeah. imaginary card. So imagine an angry because it's much more sophisticated a gesture than than waving a card with your thumb and your forefinger. Yes. this is a, this is a full blown. You know, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, two words. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that. At it's, all. it's just gonna be. It's gonna be a wonder, my... It's just gonna be a wonderful spectacle with the first player who gets booked for doing that. Can't wait. Yeah, me, me, me neither. All right, excellent. Well, to wrap things up then, having discussed the football at length and back again, let's get the odds on a lot of those stories from our friends at Paddy Power talking to Ian McIntosh. Thanks, James. I am joined by Paddy Power. How are you, Paddy? I'm doing wonderful. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. We've got some movers and shakers today. Um possibly overdue Stoke have finally swung the axe Mark Hughes is no more is it just me or is a pool of replacement managers as poor as it's been in ages yeah but it's funny because we haven't had someone sacked for a while so it kind of it means it's uh it's it's a little bit more difficult to think he was going to take over from him but um I see Martin O'Neill is is favourite at six to four, but I but you see you always wonder when they sack a manager whether they it, it's hard to know when it's too late and when it's too early. Do you know that kind of way? So uh, I think Mark Hughes kind of had to go because everyone turned against him. So it was it was one of those kind of inevitable axe swings, as you say. But yeah, but I mean, you're looking at the the pile of, of managers who were, who were left there. So Martin O'Neill obviously hasn't managed the Premier League for a while. Gary Rowett, Slavin Bilic, I mean, God, he had a poor time. Michael O'Neill is Northern Ireland manager. So a lot of like, international managers in there. And uh, you'd wonder, is Stoke the most attractive place to go? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gary Rowett may well think of it as uh, something of a sideways move, given how well he's doing at Derby. But the, the, there could be more changes as well. Uh, Maurizio Pellegrino um, starting to feel a little bit of pressure. What are the odds on him going before the end of, uh, end of the month? Yeah, starting to feel a bit of He must be feeling a serious amount of pressure, Pellegrino. Yeah, he's he's odds on to, to last the month of January, just about. But he's four to six to last the month. But he's eleven to ten. That means not to last the month. So it's a very very short price that he might get the bullet as well in the very near future. That's wrong. It's the start of a new year, and all we're talking about is people getting sacked and all this bad karma stuff. We want to be talking about happy things. Well, let's talk about happy things then. Let's talk about Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte, whose war of words exploded again this weekend. What can I get on them actually coming to blows? Proper fisticuffs. Yeah, it wasn't a bananas. It was like something out of a school. It was like a tantrum by a five-year-old, like as in, you know, he doesn't get a biscuit and that therefore the world is going to end. So that's what it turned into straight away. It was like Mourinho throwing bars about your man fixing matches and your man calling him a little little man. It was just, I thought it was quite funny actually. And to see like somebody as suave as Conte, uh, the way he delivered his uh, his... his his uh, his put down, I guess, was pretty impressive. But it's five hundred to one that they have to come to to come to blows and start punching the head off each other, which is unlikely. What constitutes coming to blows? I mean, actual I th- slap. I, I think. Yeah, I think it's slap. Rather. Well, I, I, I hope one of them would punch rather than slap if they did come to blows. But uh, like a shaking hands doesn't count for coming to blows. <laughs> but, uh, but anything kind of aggressive, any aggressive laying hands on each other would be certainly kick up the arse out of count. 500 to 1, I think there's value there. And finally, let, let's actually end on something positive. Favourites for the FA Cup after the uh, third round weekend. Yeah, Matt Arsenal gone out, and obviously um, Wenger is coming out saying how embarrassing it was and all that kind of stuff. But I'm sure the uh, the people who want Wenger out will just be giving more kind of wind to their sails. Yeah, but City are favourites, and the more you think about it, the more you think that maybe there might even be a bit of value. Like they're three to one favourites to to lift the cup now. Um, obviously, it's a knockout competition, but they just don't get beaten by anyone, do they? Liverpool are next to five to one, Chelsea five to one, and Tottenham six to one, and with United, so it's um, it's still a lot of the likely subjects up there. But you could do it one or two more of the big guns getting knocked out along the way. I saw somebody tipping up Wolves the other day at sixty-six to one. 
for an outside squeak, but I think City are red-hot favourites. Well, you can find out all those odds and so much more at paddypower.com. As ever, it is 18-plus only and begambleaware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Simple enough message, but no less true for all that. Um, we'll be back on Thursday. Adam, thank you so much. Your work can be enjoyed where in the meantime? Oh, all over the place. Right. Absolutely. OK. Same for you, Mr. Very much in uh, media demand, David Priest. <sighs> yes. Just follow me on Twitter. OK. Good one. And Raphael Honigstein, whose latest book I'm currently enjoying. And when's the next one out? In May. Ooh. But in Germany only at this point. Ooh. Yeah. Right. Lucky, the timing lucky doesn't German. seem to be that amazing because it's uh, Per Metasaka's autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Good. All right, then. Excellent. Well, many thanks to you all for being with us. Thanks to you, listener. We'll catch up with you Thursday. Have a great time in the meanwhile. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Not nearly enough Football League, though. Why don't you give the Totally Football League show a try? We'll be looking at League Two, League One, and all the FA Cup heroes as well. You'll find us on Audio Boom, iTunes, all the other places you get your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>